0: First collection, I'm a chic X filtered. <laughs> Let's make it happen. We are not cool <laughs> enough for Let's that. Make it yeah. We are not Come cool
1: on. enough for that. Hi, guys. Welcome back to our podcast, Filtered. And we are so excited to have you listening here today. I'm Celine. I'm Sharon. I'm Benita. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Hannah. And today we have the privilege of having a special guest, Leah Butchel. Woo! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> She's an entrepreneur, a co-founder and chief creative officer of West by East, a former stylist for Gucci, Vogue magazine, and wow. Chanel, a wife and a mother to a very handsome baby boy. And she's paving a path in the fashion industry. Wow! Come on, want to everybody.
2: That's a <laughs> lot.
1: You're you really. She's thriving. She's thriving. She thriving out here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a heavy intro, guys. Much to live up to. <laughs> so, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? And who you are sure so i am leah like celine said um i am uh one of the co-founders of west by east you know i i'm just out here as a south asian american woman trying to uh build a wonderful successful business and um kind of take all of my fashion expertise and kind of share it with the masses um but yeah that's kind of i mean you kind of said everything that i've did and done and do so you know that's everything in a nutshell so what got you into fashion you know I always say I never if you asked 13 year old Leo what she would be she would have never answered she would be in fashion she would probably have said something really pretentious like ambassador to Uruguay or something (laughs) oh wow um (laughs) I went, most of my friends uh, growing up uh, in Chicago and people who've known me since I was a kid all find it incredibly fascinating that I'm in fashion. It totally happened by accident. Um, I went to school to study politics um, and I minored in Arabic and French and my goal had always been law school and then the foreign service. And basically, I turned 18, got into college at NYU for this uh, program that allowed me to live in Florence, Italy for my freshman year. I was a scholarship student, so I also had to do work study. Um, And the only job I could get, because my Italian was so poor, was at this like touristy um, steakhouse in downtown Florence i was a waitress i was the worst waitress that l- you could ever imagine in life i just like hated <laughs> it it just wasn't <laughs> for me i couldn't do the whole like serving tour it was just it was i was just over it within like two months in. so the thing that happened that changed kind of everything for me was florence was the headquarters of gucci And during one of the lunch hour rushes, the then creative director, Frida Gianni, uh, came in to have lunch with like a couple of her assistants. I was assigned the table. Mind you, if you asked me to point out Gucci in a lineup, I could not tell you what it was. (laughs) I had no idea anything about it. All I knew was that in this lunch, this woman kept complaining about how she doesn't have an assistant who can write in good English and that they kept sending really bad emails to the New York offices. So me being me, which is I live by the the motto of, you know, carpe diem, which is seize the day. Wow. I was like, you know what? I can speak really good English and if it means I can get out of this restaurant, <laughs> I will do it. So what I did was, as I was giving them the bill, I was like, I dropped my perfectly polished English, which is very much indifferent to my very choppy Italian. And I was like, I'm more than happy to transcribe emails for you. I'm a student at NYU. Mm -hmm. I, you know, speak very well, and I write very well, and I'm happy to give you a writing sample. She, I'll I'll never forget, she kind of looked me up and down, Granted, my uniform was, like, a white button-down shirt and black trousers and a black apron, which is classic waitress look. She looked me up and down, and she was like, come to my office tomorrow, 8 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she didn't tell me where her office was. Oh, my god! <laughs> so I had to figure out where it was. But I showed up at, like, 7.30, and the security guard was like... This is Italy in 2008 and in Florence they don't see a lot of brown people so Mm. in general I used to stick out like a sore thumb because I obviously did not look like my Italian counterparts and most of my classmates were not um, people of color so it was... I was always just like sticking out so when I got there at 7 30 the security guard was like are you sure you have the right place like what are you doing here and I was like I promise you she said to come here at 8 a.m I have my writing sample like I she told me I can come and then uh yeah I started as her third assistant and she was my mentor she taught me everything I know about fashion about you know just clothes and Um, really made me fall in love with what it means to dress what it means to dress women Um, she lived by this very simple principle of the joy of dressing and um, when I first started with her you know I was just doing grunt work of just like prepping things and all of that then she would start asking me questions during styling sessions where I was there to just take notes and you know, I would just look at it and, you know, make a suggestion and she would like my suggestions. And that's when um, I realized, like, this is kind of interesting. I like have this weird eye for this kind of stuff. And I really fell in love. I just had a quick question. So
3: you said you were a politics major, right? So how did how did your parents and your family back home kind of take to the shift from you? Um, you know, deciding from politics to fashion. How did you announce that to them? I know.
1: Like, <laughs> hey guys, I'm not going to be a lawyer anymore. I'm going to yeah. go into fashion. She I went know. to she went to Italy in for one thing, and she comes back and she's like,
0: "I work for Gucci." <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I really. I grew up in um, the suburbs of Chicago, and I say suburbs very generously. Um, Celine, you just spent some time in Ohio, so <laughs> where you spent time is how I grew up, which oh is gosh. very rural and surrounded by cornfields and... So like I grew up in a world where I didn't have access to a lot of things beyond like what I could see in like a library book or in a magazine. And so growing up, I was always determined to get the heck out of Dodge. I just wanted to see the world. I wasn't sure how I was gonna do it, but I knew I would do it. And luckily my parents have, had been prepared from a very young age to be like, well, this one's just gonna, she's gonna do what she does. Um, and because I was always a planner and because I always kind of did well uh academically, they kind of gave me my space. but also both my parents are unique in the sense that they both left home at sixteen at very young ages and lived abroad and lived in different countries and did what they wow. had to do um to you know survive and thrive. So because I was very fortunate to have parents from that perspective, you know, they didn't really hinder me from a lot of things. I was like telling my mom, I was like, mom, I didn't realize how like laid back you were. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I probably should have been a little bit more strict, <laughs> but I was like, well, you know, it all worked out. How did you find the
1: balance between like the Western and Indian fashion and with, like, I know you said you don't design, but like styling.
0: Well, actually, first, before you answer that one, just explain what West West by East is. is. Yeah, West by East is.
2: Sure. So West by East is my first baby. Um, We are a digital platform that produces made-to-measure cultural clothing um, and it's a completely virtual and customized experience. Um, and really what we are all about is making, preserving your culture seamless. Um, and we want to do it through your wardrobe. So West by East really caters to the South Asian diaspora. We help produce large volume outfits for bridal parties. We do a lot of custom wear for families and like wardrobe packages we do bridal and um, grooms looks the whole concept though is that you as the customer are the designer and we just help facilitate the process for you and we do it completely through a digital experience you fill out a quiz you get a digital design book you get your measurements taken virtually through your phone Um, So we make the whole process seamless and we have our own factory. We produce everything in-house with our amazing tailors um, and we use cutting edge technology to do it. So we are able to produce the most precise fits possible. Um, We're also size inclusive, um, which is hard to find in, in South Asian brands, but that's something that's super important to us. Um, Mm -hmm. and we really focus on affordable, accessible quality, um, and what that means is, you know, we pay fair wages, we source at, out of ethical, um, locations, all of our fabrics and everything are more pure quality, but we don't nickel and dime you, um, so what you get with us is a perfectly fitted, beautifully made garment, um that you hopefully get some versatility out of we tend to encourage mix and matching and um that kind of lends itself to my personal style philosophy which is you know utilize everything in your closet i don't believe in silos in your closet that's my biggest that Struggle. is my biggest uh what's it called
1: because whenever Struggle, i have yeah. something to go to i need to go to the mall and get a new outfit <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's because capitalism has trained us to want to consume, and you have to untrain your mind of it.
1: I can't. I feel like I look at my closet <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll just do the <laughs> black shirt
0: that I wore last week. Like I don't have any. Yeah. I feel like I don't have anything. I I, mean, I have a
1: lot, but you just feel like you don't have anything. How do you un? How do you untrain your mind to do
2: that? So there's a few ways. One is hire a stylist. <laughs> Well, if
1: you're broke, how
2: do you want your mind? <laughs> so, you know, I am a, I'm a budget dresser. I'll die a budget dresser. Like, it is in my DNA. Like, my mom and I, like, it's just, I, I will never fa- pay full price for anything. Whether it's designer, Ooh. whether it's, you know, retail. I believe in thrifting. I believe in vintage shopping. And I believe in stealing clothes <laughs> from my mom. But, you know, that's just my three philosophies to maintaining a wardrobe but (laughs) this is this is real 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 tea okay if you are really serious about getting the most out of your wardrobe there are a few painful steps you have to do and that is number one take inventory you have to literally pull everything out of your closet create categories tops t-shirts blouses trousers, jeans, sweatshirts. Just you have to take it all out, group it out, and then number 1 purge. If you have not worn something in 2 years, it's You out. hear that? You hear that guys? Sell it, purge. donate <laughs> it. What if I need it the next
1: week though? What if I need You will next you week? will
2: never need it next week. <laughs>
1: I
0: was literally just thinking how much... While you were talking, I was like, I want to see what her closet looks like right now. Oh, it's I was it, like, it it's must okay. be immaculate. It's not
2: immaculate. <laughs> but because I... I am an organizational visual freak. I have a system in my closet. So everything has a place. So, you know, it may not be the neatest. I mean, when I used to have countless amount of times, I would like even space, color code. I would do all of those things.
3: So you don't buy on trend, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. basically that, that's, you don't want to buy on trend. You want to wait until you really want a piece to really, um, fork over your hard-earned money, right? That's like the mentality that you
2: should go by. Do you follow trends as well? There are, every season, I will pick up a trend that I know will, A, work with my body type, and B, will work with my general wardrobe. But the trick about trends is you have to have a really strong sense of self when you are looking at trends you need to understand that how are you as a woman what do you like to wear if you are someone that really just loves wearing hoodies then why are you don't bother wear hoodies like my thing is is live in your truth like if your truth is sweatpants and hoodies which by the way i hate to say it kanye called that one (laughs) 10 years in advance but, you know, if that's who you are, then that's who you are. Don't buy that dress being like, one mm-hmm. day I'll be yes. that girl. Because you're never going to be that girl. You're going to be the girl that you are. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You should embrace that. And I have found that as uh, as I've gone through different phases and different ages, I have a preference in each of my age brackets. I have a question.
0: So we talked about in a previous episode about how it's hard to wear such eccentric outfits or like dress up just a little bit without getting judged in this community so like have you experienced any backlash
2: with any of that you know um because i left home at 18 i mean i sound like i'm like oliver twist but when I when I left at 18, I really wasn't immersed in the Indian community after that. I mean, most of my oldest and dearest friends are from the community. I was raised in the community. Um, Fortunately, the community that I was raised in was pretty open minded with me growing up. So I never felt any sort of backlash in the way I dressed as a kid. Um, my mom would always be like, where? What? Why is this your look? And I was like, Well Shobin Award in so and so film, so this is what I'm rocking. Like that's just you know, so I was always given a little bit of a little bit of grace. And I had been in a bubble for so long of just being around people who always wore what they want to wear. The wilder the better. You know, you were kind of applauded for putting together a full look, so that's always been a bit of an adjustment for me. It still doesn't stop me. Like, I'm still going to wear what I want to wear. And anybody who questions it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. you can think what you think, but I know that this is a look and that's all that matters, you know? And every time someone questions me on a look, I will get a million compliments on the outfit and I'll just be like, and there you go. And that's why they call me an icon. No, nobody calls me an icon except for myself. But I'm just, (laughs) and my point is, is, The community is always going to be the community, right? It's always going to judge. It's always going to give its two cents. The power lies with you on what you want to do with that. You can either allow it to dictate your life and you can, you know, comply by it. Or you can decide, you know what? The community is not paying my bills. The community is not, you know, putting me to sleep every night. The community doesn't know what keeps me up at night. So why should I live for the community? I'm going to do what I feel is right and what works for me and be me and now that I'm a mom I constantly think about this because I'm like my son is going to be raised in a in the South Asian community and there are aspects of it that I don't necessarily agree with as a person as a woman as Mm. an adult and i don't want my son to also like kind of fall into and this is one of those things where it's like you're so afraid to do anything because of the judgment but what is the judgment actually going to do to you it's not going to do anything it's not going to stop my money it's not going to stop my life it's not going to do anything there might be a few side eyes okay and i can live with that you know like that's just been my attitude you know I sound very like I've embraced this a long time but it did take me a minute to get there it took me a while to be like you know what this is okay like I don't know why I'm I'm, like busting my head over this like Mm -hmm. it is what it is you know and that acceptance takes time and I think it comes with age I also think it comes with you know an awakening within you as you've discover who you are like you guys are really young women and you're just on this journey and i always say like give yourself the grace and patience if you feel like you have if you feel that you're making decisions based on community pressure that's okay it's going to take time to like break away from that it's so easy to for anyone to say oh don't pay attention to it like forget it that's really hard to do that's really really hard to do it was really hard for me when I had decided to do West by East and decided not to go into politics, that that backlash was really hard to process. And I had a lot of people doubt my abilities. I had a lot of people question. I mean, my parents and I didn't speak for like a year. It was a huge thing for us. And that entire experience taught me that when you know deep down in your heart that This is what you were meant to do, and you have that conviction, and not just you have the conviction, but you have the hustle to make that conviction Mm -hmm. true. Nothing is going to stop you. Like, it's going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And that experience when I decided to start West by East with Tanya, you know, both of us talk about this all the time. It was really hard on our families, it was not something that was done lightly it was something that was done very thoughtfully with a lot of deliberation and i don't regret making the decision i would have probably done a few things different but still making that decision did kind of change forever how people viewed me and i had to come to terms with that i had to accept like you know what they're not going to see the same like 16-year-old debate champion, Leah. They're going to see the 23-year-old out of her freaking mind deciding you start a fashion company, Leah. Like, that's what they're going to see. They're not going to see, you know, the old Leah. And I had to be okay with that. Besides your
3: family, um, did the community, did you face like backlash from the
2: community because of what you You did? know, um, I I can't say that I really faced the backlash. I think my parents faced the backlash more than I did because I wasn't there. I wasn't in Chicago when I made the decision to start West by East. I was in New York. I was in my bubble of like people who like were like me, starting their own business, being in fashion and all that stuff. So I didn't really have to face the community like that. In many ways, it was a cop-out now that I think about it. But, you know. I didn't have to necessarily face it. What I did have to face is what people were saying to my parents, and then they would be upset at me for. They're like, you know, so-and-so said this to me, so-and-so said that to me, and I can very easily tell them, well, why do you care what so-and-so thinks? But, you know, our parents are a product of their times, and for them, their community is incredibly important to them. It's important it it is their home base because they're so far away from their own family and friends and they made like all these big sacrifices to mm-hmm. come here community is important to them it's not yeah i always say it's not fair for us to judge them for their need for that community because it is in many ways their only sort of solace in a world where they really don't fit in like you know it's not like America was the most welcoming place on the planet it's not like they were made to feel equal to everyone around them every single day of their lives the community was really the only space where they felt normal and so that's where that you know attachment comes from and I recognize that and I acknowledge that and you know what, I just took the beating. I was like, you know what, mm-hmm. I understand, and I'm sorry that they feel that way, but this is what I'm going to do. And I think that helped in healing with my parents, because I wasn't, like, arguing with them about it. I understood that it was hurting them, and I, I I, thought it was fair to acknowledge that I was hurting them, but I also wanted to make it clear, like, I have to live life on my own terms. And this is my own term. And if I fail, it's only because of me. Do they see um, how far you've come with West
1: by uh, West by East, and like feel so proud of you? Because
2: <laughs> I would be so proud of you. Oh yeah, definitely. Um... <laughs> Yeah, they were just at a wedding where we had done the bride's outfit and the bridesmaid's outfit, and my mom like took fifty thousand pictures and videos oh, and sent no. them to me. She's like, "You can use this for social media." None of it is usable <laughs> but I was, I was like, "I don't know what angle you took these at. Like everybody looks terrible." But you know, but you know, and she she was like, "I told everybody you made these outfits." I was like, first of all, I didn't make them, but that's fine." Thank that's you. That's such a gratifying Aww. feeling, though. No like after yeah it's really gratifying after going through all
1: of that and having them have to face the backlash like have having them see the pride and joy that you like work so hard for and them being so proud of it I feel like that would be so amazing to experience with you um starting that business though as a woman of color in the fashion business industry have you faced any issues or problems
2: oh right yeah definitely i mean during my magazine styling years that was probably the hardest you know europe in many ways is pretty progressive and um this concept of like i mean i was considered exotic but i wasn't considered other does that make sense so when i was with my gucci colleagues or with my chanel colleagues i i was never meant to feel different but I felt appreciated for my perspective I mean obviously there was a few cultural lack of awareness things and you know that comes with the territory but I think when I was more in vogue and um, at Vanity Fair when I was styling there the world of fashion in America is very much a place of privilege because in america at that time they did not believe in paying interns or paying stylists they were just like you should be grateful to be here so the only people that went into the industry were people of means i called them trust fund babies because they came from wealthy families that could afford to pay for their lives in while they lived in manhattan um and so they were able to do those internships and jobs for free and then get a really high paying job in yeah. those industries. So in many ways, while fashion is supposed to be this democratic space, it was incredibly exclusive and not at all inclusive. You know, I really understood <laughs> Um, how different my colleagues were and how that difference really colored the way our interactions were. Like, you know, they would be talking about, like, summering, uh, summering in the Hamptons or spending their Christmas in St. Barts and all this stuff. I remember Googling St. Barts because I was like, where the hell is this place and why did they all go there? <laughs> like, I just so didn't dead. understand what it was. I didn't understand this concept of, like, summering, like having a summer place and all this stuff. And um, also around that time, I transferred from NYU, which I loved at NYU, I loved being there, but I got a really good offer from Harvard. So I transferred over to Harvard and that was even a worse of a culture shock because it's just, even like the brown kids came from privilege. So I was like, <laughs> I don't play tennis. I don't understand what you people do. Like, oh gosh! Not tennis. why are we watching people row yeah. a boat at 5 a.m. I don't get it. Like I don't understand what this is about. Like please help me. Like what? And then I was like, why are you brown people doing this? Like didn't our ancestors like escape this? Like I don't. I don't think this is a good idea. Like so... it was very much like a get out situation. Like why are we all doing this? Like I just don't get it. <laughs> but you know. I think those experiences a really made me determined to never look dumb like I wanted to know about all these things because I was like there is no way in hell someone else is going to say St. Bart's to me and I'm not going to know where that <laughs> yeah. is. Like, I'm going to know where Gestad is. I have no idea what that is, but I will know what it is by the end of it. Like, no. it's not necessarily that I wanted to fit in, but I didn't want to be the noob in the room. So I was <laughs> like, I will find out what this blue blood life is about. Do I want to live it? No, thank you. But I will know how to serve a tennis ball and I will know how to a boat and I will know how to do all these things because Damn it! I'm not going to be the only one that doesn't know how to do it. Like, I'm just not.
1: What do you feel was one of your biggest accomplishments out of all of this, like this whole journey?
2: You know, I think the biggest thing I can point to is I walked away with this insane ability to be adaptable in Mm. any environment. And that's something I'm really proud about because it's not just a life skill, it is what I believe to be the secret of my success and what makes me me is being able to adapt and learn and understand and adjust to my circumstances and also not just adapt but also to thrive in that space. And I think a lot of it comes back to the fact that I wasn't scared to take chances. Now I have this weird like nervousness thing that has developed but I'm working through it. But. You know, I wasn't scared to take chances. I was never I was always fearless like I'll do it. I'll go. I'll whatever. Let's figure it out. Now I'm a little bit more reticent, but you know, I the the 20-year-old me would have done anything. Like not like anything, <laughs> but you know, I would I was always up for an adventure. You know, I I really cherish that part of me and I cherished those experiences because it has made me a stronger leader it has made me a stronger creative it's made me a stronger human um because it allows me to be a lot more empathetic and understanding to the people around me um and i feel like it's prepared me for motherhood pretty well now that i think about it but yeah i would say that's my biggest accomplishment just learning how to adapt and thrive i have a i have a fun question for
3: you just to so you've accomplished so much right so far where do you see yourself in like in five to ten years like what's your
2: next adventure or you can't tell tell us that because you know no i'm happy to share because i believe in manifesting um so in the next five years the goal is to grow west by east into like the number one platform to create ethnic clothing not just for our culture but for other cultures and hopefully sell and make buku buku cash The only other thing that I want to do in the next five to ten years... Well, there's only two things. One is at some point I would like a flower farm. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that. Wow. And two, I would like to launch my own label. Um, Like Indian clothes? That's just... You would... I don't necessarily want it to be Indian clothes um, because I don't just consider myself Indian. I consider myself an Indian American Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think my sensibilities are both and I don't believe my clothing should be restricted to one or the other. So that is a, a dream of mine that I would love to do in the next five years. First collection, I'm a chic X
0: filtered. Let's make it happen. We are not cool <laughs> enough for Let's that. Yeah. We are not Come cool on. enough
1: for that.
2: I'm down. I'm down to clown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with that, who's ready for Hannah's OK, we're going to cut to the music right now. <laughs> So for today's segment, we have our lovely guest, <laughs> I call her by her Instagram handle Amashik, but Leah, I am going to ask her some unpopular opinions, some questionable fashion trends, and she's going to rapid fire tell us if she likes them or not.
1: Yay or nays. or nays. Are you ready? <laughs>
0: well, are we answering too? Are we all um, answering? Her answer yeah get we have to okay. we might switch our okay. answers after to see ready <laughs> <laughs> sure. ready first one what do we think about crocs
2: oh yay comfort thank At god May. comfort over everything hey. if you said comfort no i wouldn't everything. know what i would do wait 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 crocs with the widgets I'm down with the widgets because that's a form of self-expression. Quite frankly, I have been plotting to get a pair of my own. Mm. Here's why I love Crocs. Do you want that, that reasoning? Comfort over everything. And if you are comfortable, you can rock it with confidence, which means you'll still look good at the end of the day. We love to see it. vibes.
0: Yes. Ready? Wait.
1: Oh, no, my you? sister said no and I just want everyone everyone on the podcast to know my sister hates crocs. How dare you. <laughs> You've hey, never I
0: experienced know. a crocs. I don't own a girl. pair
1: myself because I don't think that they're cute, but I rock with it. <laughs> so every time every time I work every time I wear crocs you we So you think them. I'm ugly? No, I don't <laughs> think
2: you're ugly. Yes. I think that they're <laughs> ugly. I bought them for my brother. But do you we'll live your best life? Yeah, I mean, I'm a gardener, well, amateur, and I just need a pair of outside shoes, and I just realized Crocs are my solution, so Mm here we go. I'm going to do two more. Ready? What do Mm -hmm. we think
0: about a fanny pack?
2: Oh, down with the fanny pack! Thank God, because I wear my fanny pack everywhere. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have multiple fanny packs. I have converted wallets into fanny packs, and like Ooh. they're like my favorite accessories to like belt up a look. Um, now that I'm a mom, I am not a diaper bag mom. I don't do that, so I have a fanny pack. <laughs> okay, next. Wait, I need something really ugly that she's gonna nay.
0: I need, I need to know what your nay is. Harlem pants.
2: Harlem pants. Harlem pants. I love these things. Isn't it? Harem? Do not even. Nay- oh, is, is it harem? Hannah. Harem pants. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think harem. <laughs> harem
0: guys. Pants. I was is like we, Harlem shit. Guys, I'm telling you, it's Harlem pants.
2: Wait, stop, guys. Just Wait, kidding. I it's harem all the pants. time. So, are these the pants of that, like, thin jersey material where they're tight at the ankle and they kind of balloon? I'm wearing one right now, guys. (laughs) I'm not even joking you. (laughs) I don't know what in the caucasity is happening with the harem pants you can buy in America. But in India, they're called your salwar kameez pants. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that anybody has the audacity to charge me $25 for one of these things is just beyond me. I think they're great, like, at-home pants, like, you should rock them. I don't, I don't like them beyond that. I think they're just very comfortable just to wear as pajamas, and if that's their functionality in your life, great, I'm down for you. If you are planning to rock harem pants at a dinner with me, a comment will be made. <laughs> I will question it. <laughs> but you can always prove me wrong and stylize the F out of it. And, you know, give me a moment and I'll be a winner. I'll, like, be won over. But um, it's a no for me. It's a definite I just
3: no. want to clarify Definitely. that I do wear it at home and not in public. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you, Sharon. Yes. Do you have any just...
2: Absolutely not, can never walk out the house like that girls I'm married to someone who thinks wearing head to toe New York sports team paraphernalia is somehow a look and <laughs> this is the person I have chosen to spend the rest of my life with so no I don't have anything that yes. says you cannot walk out looking like that except because, for hair pants. Well, 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 I mean you know if you wear hair and pants <laughs> I'll dog you for them but at the end of the day I'm not going to stop you from wearing them and that's just you know i gotta draw a line in the sand somewhere but um i personally don't care what someone chooses to wear as long as they're rocking it with confidence i don't like i don't like people the the thing that all that has that has always bothered me is i'll i'll see very well dressed women very well put together and they're not rocking it with confidence and you can see that they're very insecure in the way they dress themselves because for whatever reason the outfit that they wore may not be what they wanted to wear whatever it is and that just shines through whenever you're in something that you're clearly not comfortable in so my personal philosophy is wear what makes you happy because you're gonna look good if you are comfortable and happy in it if you are uncomfortable that's gonna show through you know we have a lot of brides that and this always breaks my heart but they're always like i'm gonna lose like 15 pounds so i'd like to give my measurements at the very end of the day and i'm like baby girl listen whether or not you lose the 15 pounds is not gonna stop you your man from marrying you a it's not gonna stop you from looking bomb at your wedding b c it's definitely not gonna stop from this outfit looking awesome so why don't we do this why don't we just make the outfit and then you just alter it let's not do this whole unex like unnecessary pressures on ourselves to like Mm. look a certain way or to be perfect and just embrace it and we roll with it and we'll find a tailor and get it tucked in that's all we gotta do yeah love yourself as you are yes exactly
1: lessons lessons we've learned Wear whatever makes you comfortable and happy too. Leah is too cool to be hanging out with any of us and has experienced <laughs> yes. more life.
0: Than all and of some us things ago. we didn't I even touch on. Really.
1: Are you joking? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But yes, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to all our listeners for listening in. Um, we go follow Amashik on Instagram, and also follow us on Instagram at Filtered The Podcast. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, YouTube. And I think that's it. Send in questions and comments um, through the link in our bio. It's anonymous. So we won't even know who you are. Or you can DM us on Instagram because we love to chat and we'd love to get to know you. Um, Yeah. And we're really funny. So if you DM us, we'll have some funny chats. Mm -hmm, We sure will. Also, we'll tag West by East because they're awesome. You should check out their Instagram. Yes. Yes, please. Thank you. Definitely go stock them. One more
3: time, thank you yes, to you all thank for you. doing this today. Thank you. thank you, Sharing all your insights with us. It's so nice to see this. Thank you so much for educating us on different things. You're awesome.
2: <laughs> Aw, thanks, girl. <laughs> well, this is a nice little lovely way to spend the evening. Um, <laughs> Yes.
3: No. So, yeah. thanks, for <laughs> nope. so um, thanks for joining th- us. Th-
0: yes, thanks for listening, best friends. We love you. Jesus loves you. See you I in the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye,
3: everybody. Bye.